Hello, and welcome to the Movie Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll have a spoiler-filled discussion about a movie we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by my sister Kay, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on Spider-Man Far From Home. So we have seen that. It does indeed take place after Avengers Endgame, as one would expect, since the movie was released after Avengers Endgame. And it opened with a kind of in-memoriam kind of a thing, setting the stage of some of the highlights of Endgame. I actually, for some reason, the way it played on the screen thought that we were going to either be seeing like Peter Parker in the school auditorium, seeing some kind of presentation or something like that. Well, it's funny because it started with the scene with Mysterio and stuff and and, uh, Maria Hill and and Nick Fury and such, cuts to the Marvel logo and then goes into this in memoriam kind of a thing. And when we saw Endgame, which is after they add the additional footage, it kind of ended with that same scene from uh, uh, this movie as a bonus of that, but also the in memoriam for Stan Lee. Yeah. So at first I was thinking, I guess we're getting a Stan Lee one. Oh no, it's for the Avengers or the Fallen Avengers. Well, and that was the thing as it started rolling the Fallen Avengers of the three Fallen Avengers. I was sitting there going, okay, one of them died and we had a funeral. Yep. Had Tony's funeral, definitely dead. Cap not so much. Yeah. He aged. But yeah. And he passed on the shield. Passed on the shield. But as far as we knew, he was still alive when we saw him. And I really don't know how to feel about Natasha. Black Widow was one of those. It's like, I was trying to remember, where did we leave her? Where did we leave her? And then we were talking right bef- after the I movie, to, but before talking about this. I had to Google it to be sure. Because I'm like, I last remember her off on the quest and then not in the battle. She was with uh, Hawkeye and basically did the swan dive. Yeah. So he could get the soul stone. So yeah. definitely dead. But one of those, it's not as memorable of a death because it happened far enough before the end of the movie of an end game. Well, there's that. But there's also, I guess, the fact that the stone was involved. The mysterious figure was involved. But why her and not Vision? Vision was actually in there. Oh, was he? Okay, he I must... was. Now you mentioned him. He was in there, and it was just a quick. And that was part of it. Was they kind of flew by a few faces after they lingered on those three. Okay. Okay. You know, and at first I was sitting there, and I'm like, "But we're after what this movie called the blip." I guess they didn't want to call it the snap. Well, I liked how they showed the footage when people were coming back at the high school. There's a, you know. Yes. Uh, the the snap, we see them fade away. Then we're seeing another game that's actively playing, and they're coming right back in the middle. Of, you know, the band's in the middle of it as the, the basketball game's going on. Yeah, the players are bashing into them effectively, yeah. The blip seemed odd. The return would have made sense. Yeah. And what got me was they were mentioning how some people obviously skipped over the five years, those who didn't aged. But when Peter's class goes on this trip, one of the people on the trip is somebody who'd aged the five years and they mentioned it was somebody's brother and yeah and stuff it just they knew him but he wasn't in their class and he was in their class it 
they didn't sell that as well as they could have. They didn't do that well, but I will say that I found the humor in the kid who was basically using his real ID as a fake ID. Because he'd been gone the five years, he'd come back, so now his ID says he's five years older than he is. Yeah, that's Flash Thompson. To me, that was funny. It was funny. That's one of those characters that in the comics is uh, the bully for Peter Parker. Totally get that. And they, they recast the ethnicity of the character. A lot of people do that now. And nothing right or wrong about that. They did the same with MJ. They've done that on tons of other other shows and movies. The thing for me, though, in this one is it felt like they went to a stereotype. I don't know what they came from, but it felt like they went to a stereotype. He was the, you know, Caucasian uh, football jock. And I can see that for a bully, definitely. A different stereotype yeah. than the one they went to. Because here they went to the rich, looks like he comes from foreign money and doesn't fit in. And the parents are probably too busy flitting between foreign home and this home to raise yeah. him. Yeah. And going with the social media aspect for Flash kind of worked. He was picking on Peter, but in a different way. The social media only worked because it had payoff later. Yeah. I felt the character was a peripheral character both in this film and the previous one. Yeah. I mean, one of the funny comments I thought the actor actually sold because he had two lines back to back that made it play was when he was saying what, you know, he loves Spider-Man. He's a huge fan of Spider-Man. Spider-Man inspires him to be his best self. And then he picks on Peter immediately thereafter. Yeah, I It's like, you need to learn the lesson a little bit more. Yeah. What I thought was kind of funny about the school field trip is, one, this class is always going on field trips. Well, you know. (laughs) But the teacher, this time around, they had the two. One of them is Martin Starr. Uh, It was the guy with the beard. Uh The one who dropped the camera and stuff. Yes. He has been on Silicon Valley. Okay. For five seasons, Mm. playing a fairly different character, very dry a devil worshiper, nothing can phase him kind of a guy. He did pretty good here. He did fine. I mean, part of it, though, is I wasn't thrilled with the material they gave either teacher. I didn't see why they needed both teachers. And the other one bothered me because he seemed like a black version of J.K. Simmons. There's that. I was also, and it's, you know, my, I'm going to call it my narrow-mindedness. I was frustrated there wasn't a male and a female chaperone yes. on a co-ed trip. That I would agree with. And the the joke of it's a science trip, but they didn't make sure the museum would be open, the the plant, the, the hotel would be decent, that kind of a thing. It's a science trip, and one of the teachers keeps blaming witchcraft. Yeah, yeah, that was never sold, and the other one was just incompetent who did all the arrangements. It, but one of the things that they did sell right from early in the film was the "I'm your a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man." Mm-hmm. And you, the way he would just kind of slip him. Could you ask about the neighborhood? It was interesting because when we finally, at the beginning, get to Spider-Man and Aunt May, at first it's like, hey, I guess that's Aunt May. They had to sell that or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I'd forgotten she had known Peter's identity. Yes. And Peter at this point is wearing the high-tech suit uh-huh. that just kind of morphs the mask on and off. And there are a couple of times it's like, dude, you're in public. Yeah. Um. As I was watching parts of this movie where he would just take the mask off at inopportune times or odd times to me. Yeah. I really do think somebody needs to do a movie or possibly TV series called basically Secret Identity. 
And where you've got somebody with powers and the whole thing is the guy's actually trying to do good, but you've got everybody trying to uncover who he is. Yeah. Well, one of my pet peeves when we watch stuff and frequently I'll call out to you, is it just me or should they not be having this conversation in this place? Yes. Because so often they are, I mean, walking down public street is a bad example, but we've just walked out of the inner office of the bad guy. We are still in his corporate headquarters walking by his secretary as we're discussing the fact that we just realized he's the bad guy and we need to do something about him. Excuse me, secretary's listening. Excuse me, she can hear you and report back. Well, I think the end credit scene could have been put in there when somebody realized the entire next movie was set up by Nick Fury saying a stupid thing. Yeah. Of, yeah, you can take your mask off here, Peter. Everyone knows who you are. As he's then introducing him to people. Yes. Yes. Including Mysterio. Yes. Now, when you were watching this, what did you think of Mysterio at the beginning? And did you see the twist coming? I kind of did for two reasons. First of all, he, he was so likable. He was so charismatic. It was like he was putting on a show mm-hmm. for 360 degrees. Fair enough. And for me, that's a hard character to trust. It was kind of the, he never drops his guard, he never relaxes, he never seems at ease with the other characters. So why? Why is it 100% Mm -hmm. show? Uh, The second reason was I felt like we were dealing with the elementals too fast. So either this was going to be a really short movie. Or he had a secret that was kind of come back to bite us, and usually that secret is, ha ha. I I knew he was a villain, because I've read the comics. Well, see, that's just cheating. I knew he was an illusionist, because I've read the comics. There are other telltale signs that he was a villain. Uh, The use of green powers Mm. in Marvel, green, orange, typically villain. See, yeah, as a non-comic book reader, didn't know that. I have been playing one of the Marvel online games, so I knew there was a black Spider-Man suit. I had no idea why, no idea what it would be used for. And I will admit, by the end of the movie, I wanted to know how many different suits he wore. He had the tech one at the beginning, the black one. We saw him in the hoodie one during an illusion thing. He had the red one that was not tech. The red one that was not tech. Did I already mention the one he made in the plane? No. So at least five. Yeah. Now, I thought the one at the very end was different than the one he made on the plane. Probably. So it just, yeah. I liked Mysterio's costume. Well, the other, yeah, they did an excellent job taking the comic book version of the character and doing him in live action. They nailed the costume without any significant changes. Everything from the fishbowl and explaining kind of why it's that way. Um, It took a long time to get to the explanation for me. Yeah, but I think that was also one of the telltale signs he was a villain is he was presented as a hero with no real origin or or specific powers. True. Well, and the only reason I believe he had a suit that could fly is because of when he was up at the rooftop with uh, Peter Parker basically saying you should go for the girl. And even then, because I don't think they touched, for all we know, that was the illusion version. Yeah, there are a couple of things that once you realize exactly how he's doing everything, you've got to gotta wonder. Okay, because we watched the scene at the very last moment after the credits, and I phrase it that way 
because the people next to us, who for all we know had seen the movie already, because it's been out two weeks, few weeks. at least, um, they watched the first mid credit scene, but not all the way to the end. By the time you get all the way to the end, it kind of undermines a lot of the movie in terms of... With the reveal of, of Nick Fury being a scroll. Well, and Marie Hill. And Marie Hill. So neither of them was ever there. Yes. So we, if you think back through the movie, you have the potential to interpret things really differently. Oh, you have to. You've got to assume there's scrolls the whole time. Um, and I think that was there to basically point out why Fury was actually trusting this guy. Mm. Why Fury was acting a little out of character, you know, and not intimidating Happy and a few others. Uh, and why he basically was so adamant Spider-Man had to be on the case. Because he's like, he doesn't know how to get a hold, hold of the yeah. Avengers. Yeah. But him, uh, Cholinar, whatever the guy's name was, um, from Captain Marvel, essentially working for Fury, who's in space, either in orbit or elsewhere, we're unsure. But he's got a whole damn army of, of scrolls at, at his command now. Yeah. Which is a very scary concept. Yeah. So I did think that whole thing was to basically, it's like, yeah, it's a fun movie, but Fury's more competent than this. It wouldn't have played out that way. And a good way to let them do what they wanted to do and kind of undo what they did. And undo what they did is kind of how I came out feeling. But in some ways, instead of Far From Home, I think they could have subtitled it Summer Vacation in Europe. Yeah. Spider-Man's Summer Vacation. Absolutely. And I'm curious why they made the decision to, at the end, give out Peter Parker as Spider-Man, you know, publicly like that. I get I, what they needed to do is they needed to have a little bit more in there when we saw um and we're jumping around a bit yeah. we'll get to the middle of the movie eventually um after uh mysterio had been taken down we saw the number two guy who'd been uh from iron man or whatever uh download some stuff and pull a drive yeah presumably that's the footage he then edited to do the 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 news footage they they could have sold that a little better should have showed a little bit more they could have sold that much better but now it really sets up a different status quo going into the next film. Yeah, because I thought he was downloading like some of the illusion tech. Where I'm like, why do you need to download the illusion I thought tech? He was downloading Edith. Mm. Interesting take. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the stuff that's in that video, when you think through it, okay, we did actually hear Spider-Man say that. Not at that time, not well in that place, but if you, you know, moments later. In reference to something totally different. So you can see it is really his voice. If somebody does, you know, the voice printing, they're not going to find somebody faked it. Mm -hmm. So they they played a lot with, can you trust what you see on the news? Can you trust the charismatic people? And to a degree, there was sort of the, the Hitler-esque quality to Mysterio in terms of, he won the people over in the beginning. He got elected in the beginning. Yeah, I think there was an aspect of Mysterio where they really sold the play the hero aspect. He was Jake Gyllenhaal did a terrific job. This is the first time I've been like consciously aware. I saw him in a movie and I came out thinking, okay, I'll IMDb see what else he's done. I've been aware of his name. I've mm -hmm. been aware he's an actor. But I don't recall ever before seeing him in a movie and going, whoa, he nailed that part. I want to see what else he's done. They, if they had decided not to do him as a villain, could have legit made him into a, the next Iron Man kind of a character for the franchise. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, he had every aspect of that 
uh, down, and he was fun to watch. I almost wish they had gone that way, because he was doing, in that first quarter to third of the movie, he was doing the hero, the potential leader, and he was enough different than both Cap and Tony Stark to be interesting. Well, in the minute we got to that bar scene, no, no, I couldn't possibly. Yes. It's like you, you protest too much. Yes. Well, and the glasses happened to be on the ground. That felt more like a pickpocket situation. Yeah. There was an aspect of the whole thing was set up. And when the hologram starts fading away for the different stuff, it's yeah. like, yep, he set the entire damn thing up. Yeah. And I was seeing that coming, but it was still well done. Well, I'll admit, I liked Edith as an acronym. Even dead, I'm the hero. Yeah. It was I, funny. I thought that was a, a funny acronym. I'm wondering which came first, the name or the acronym. Or yeah. Was it an acronym or a backronym where you get the name, get it? Yeah. Because didn't Marissa Torme play Edith Bunker on the uh, the the televised, you know, live on TV thing they did within the last few months? I'm not sure, but that's funny. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like an odd name for Tony Stark to have picked. But even dead on the hero isn't an odd thing for him to come up with. No, not at all. But I it's mean, different than Friday. It's different yes. than uh, Jarvis. It's different than... Yeah. Well, there were quite a few things in here where they nailed the character or hit your expectations just right, at least for me. I would say the writing on this, by and large, was really good. Uh, everything from the, the overall plot to the characterization, certainly of Mysterio. Uh, Peter, I thought they sold pretty well of just, hey, I, I just want to be a kid for a bit. Yes. Well, and there was an aspect to him that I think was very subtle and they should have played up more of, I know for some of you, five years has passed and you expect me to be out of high school and five years older and doing these other things, but I didn't get those five years yet. I want them. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I liked that aspect of his character or someone who went to college young, etc. For me, it was something I could relate to. What I would have liked would have been when they're going off on the field trip. This is when we're really finding out. It's like, okay, the two that were doing the newscast for the school clearly had been away and come back. Yeah. It's been affected by the snap, as had Peter, Ned, and MJ. Mm-hmm. How convenient. As uh, And Flash. Yeah. But we should have had one or two of their friends that were now in college. I was wishing that there was a third chaperone on the trip who was one of their friends who hadn't been affected by the snap, was no longer in high school, but wanted to get to go on the Europe trip with his friends. Yeah. So talked his way on as a chaperone. And to have that, no, really, I'm saying the guy I was. I mean, yeah, I've had five years you haven't had, but I'm still your friend. Well, if we'd had the older brother, younger brother, and the two brothers were both there when the situation had flipped kind of a deal, and you could see how they needed the trip just to reconnect. Yes. Because it would be just odd. Yeah. The only thing I felt they really did, and it was, for me, too subtle to cover the whole infrastructure was affected by the five years, etc., was the homelessness fundraiser, which was at the very beginning. And yeah. it's where Aunt May was on stage. I, I started to piece together what was going on there, but that was something that even with them flat out saying, yeah, I came back and somebody was living in my place kind of a deal. They thought I was the mistress or whatever. It, it 
yeah, you're telling us this. You should have showed us this. It felt more like a support group at that point. It was seeing the banner that said homeless and this, that, and the other that helped me piece together. This isn't a support group. Here's what's really going on. So for me, they rushed that aspect. Yeah. And I could see where that was not kind of their story. Mm -hmm. So that if if Endgame and Infinity War hadn't jumped things five years, this movie would have gone as was. And they just would have had some other, this would have just been the fundraiser for whatever charitable thing Aunt May was working on. Yes. I was unclear where Aunt May worked. Yeah. But it seemed to have to do with that charitable uh, fund because she had the Spider-Man stand up in the back and stuff. So I kind of wished that they would have given context for the her at work with happy visiting scene. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm trying to remember what her status quo kind of was in that respect in the first movie. And I don't remember. Neither do I. Because we saw so little of her. It was just, you know, he's got the Stark internship. They're going on the trip. And again, it's all taking place away from home. For the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, he's not spending much time in his neighborhood in his films. No. Well, and outside his films, I mean, as he said, he accidentally went to space. Went to space, went to Germany or wherever it was for the, the Civil War thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the silly little attention to details category, I liked the suitcase. It took me a moment to piece it together. Yeah, that it was for Uncle Ben. Yeah, but once I realized what the initials were, why the old suitcase, I liked it. Because it fits the character. Yes. Sentimental, wants a little of Uncle Ben with him. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, the gift he got for MJ, I didn't fully understand until she flat out said why. That's her favorite flower. They covered that at the beginning when Peter and Ned were talking. Well, he was saying it was her favorite flower. I guess I didn't. They they mentioned early on because of the murder. Oh, okay. I guess I just didn't. Yeah, he did it so fast. I just didn't catch that it was the murder was named for it and stuff. But I liked that she liked it. They were broken. Mm -hmm. It fit the character. It's a very different take on MJ. That's what I was thinking. Because it was Mary Jane in the comics in the original trilogy. This is Michelle something or other. Well, MJ, in my thinking, is your your classic and stereotypical sweet girl next door. In the comics, she's been a little bit more of kind of the party girl next door, but the, the vivacious redhead. And it's funny because visually, you could take MJ from when she's first seen in the Spider-Man stuff, which is a good ways into it, actually. And... Lana Lang from the Superboy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, teenage, red hair, female love interest for lead character. And there's some, some very basic similarities and stuff. Very different characters, but mm-hmm. they both become, you know, uh, key, key supporting cast members. In Smallville, they basically ditched the redhead, went for uh, a Christian crook who's... I refer to that as ethnically interesting. Yes. Beautiful woman. Did a great job in the role, too. Yes, but not a specific ethnicity. I can nail it first glance. Not the Caucasian redhead. Yes. Okay. And again, nothing right or wrong. Here, they they went again a different route mm-hmm. uh, with Zendaya and stuff, who's done a lot of Disney stuff. Did a good job here. I really like the way she plays the character, in part because like I like the way she hit the, you're going to tell me you're Spider-Man. I was only watching you to figure out if you were Spider-Man. I'm not good at letting people in. I was afraid to admit I was watching you because I kind of like you. She does the awkward teenager well. She really does. 
again, there were so many things in the film that are easy to relate to. And sometimes in superhero films, that can be hard to find. Mm -hmm. Well, she's clearly smart, clearly knows how to kind of get that verbal jab in there. Yeah, she puts Brad in his place. Yes, yes. Um, and they they played the the love aspect with Peter and MJ well throughout, mm -hmm. using Ned and and Betty as as kind of a, a juxtaposition. Know, juxtaposition. Those two were hilarious to me. Um, the summer fling. Yeah, yeah. So I think they did a, a good job overall. Uh, the hologram tech for Mysterio was well done. The backstory of it having been the the barf technology from Civil War. That was funny. And how he was so annoyed that his life work was just basically mocked that way. Yeah. And then one or two of the other people who he was working with, oh, you used to work for Tony over here and we'd seen you there. You did this, you did that. And just kind of the, the, the Tony Stark revenge squad essentially was what it was. Yeah. Well, and the fact that it took about 20 people to be Mysterio behind yes. the scenes. Yes. I kind of liked that. I like that, and honestly, I would have been okay if they'd done almost a movie on, on we see Mysterio, and then we get to see kind of the behind-the-scenes crew that make it happen. Yeah. I mean, if you had that kind of attack and did kind of a fake superhero, a film about the fake superhero, I guess would be the way to do it. Well, and it feels they left the door open for that. Mm-hmm. Because really, we only took down the one person. Now, in Pet Peeves, we give the glasses to Beck. At this point... When we realize Beck is the bad guy, we haven't confirmed Beck is his actual name. Or had any kind of, uh, for the glasses, how does Edith know he's Beck? Thank you. And he doesn't check to see if the glasses work before celebrating. Yeah. Or before Peter Parker gets, you know, two or three blocks away and, I mean, presumably he's got some way to track him, etc., etc., but it frustrated me. Well, and then there was that convenient moment when... MJ pulls out the the tech she'd gotten. Yes. Same webbing. And as she drops it, it just happens to go off. Yes. You know, it's not as bad as, as your mother name is Martha, but it's close. Yeah. I would have liked for him to say, what'd you do? And she's like, well, there's this little red button. Just because you, you everybody knows not to press the red button. If we'd gotten more of a sense in the first film... That she was starting to clue in on Peter and stuff like that. And maybe we did and I just don't remember it. Yeah, see, that's what I was trying to remember. I mean, in the first film, it's like she's in it, but kind of why? Yeah. Here, okay, it makes more sense. Um, and they had to clue him in at some point. Um, the Seeing the illusion from the inside was kind of cool. Yes. The use of the drones was kind of cool. Okay, so how did you feel about the renaming of the Spidey Sense? The Peter Tingle or whatever. Yes. The only time, including in this movie, we've actually seen the Spider-Sense work was in Infinity War. Hairs on the back of his neck oh, go God, up on the okay. bus. Yeah. Well, they were using it as the sixth sense for how he could tell where the drones really were when he got thrown into an illusion on Tower Bridge. Yeah, they needed to better explain, if they wanted to do it like the comics, that it's kind of an early warning sense or whatever. Yeah. And that at times he can kind of hone it in, in in that kind of sense. Yeah. Well, I felt like they had Aunt May set it up with just a, it's awkward to have a family member, especially a female one, saying that to a boy. Mm -hmm. But then when Happy keeps saying Peter Tingle to him. Well, again, it's clear that, that 
Aunt May and, and Happy are getting along. There's that too, but there's just that intense awkwardness yes. of Happy repeatedly referring to his Peter Tangle. I liked having Happy in the film, and he was more used here than in the first there. He was still a, a peripheral character. Here was a little more yeah. central to the plot. Here he was really well used. And it gave them uh, some some things to kind of bond over in mm-hmm. terms of, hey, I miss Tony too. And I liked the scene on the, the jet when he's watching Peter kind of go all Tony on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen that pay off a little bit better in terms of, okay, I know what I'm going to fight. I know what I'm going to need. Well, we heard him kind of muttering about the suit needs this. This needs to be 20 times more powerful. It would have been nice for him to do all of that, but then to, to basically, it's like, okay, I think that'll cover what I need, but I don't know. I'm not Tony. Yes. I don't have a game plan. I know what I think. So I'm going to do these things because I can always use more web fluid. I can always use this. I can always use. Yes. Always more web fluid. You know, p- plan for the unexpected. Yeah. You know, it's like, I know my plan's going to get me so far. And I'm going to have to wing it after that. So let's, let's make sure I'm ready for the, that part. Run for the jet. Run for the jet. Kaploom on second thought. Go for the tower. Yeah, that was kind of telegraphed. <laughs> Who are you? He works for Spider-Man. No, I did not say I work for Sp- Okay, that was all paraphrasing, but that yeah, was how the with. scene felt. Yeah, there was there were some good moments. I thought the effects were outstanding. Yes, yeah. Uh, I'm still not quite sure how the hologram projects black, but okay. Uh, we'll, we'll just assume the hologram kind of works, and again, that it can subsume the entire environment. But they, they sell that. Well, and when we're seeing it in London, because now we know about the drones... We're seeing the drones do things that explain why things happened. Yes. Well, and that they can cloak themselves to And we gotten a hint of the cloaking back in Venice when Peter had shot the web fluid and he's like, why did it bounce off of something instead of going to the Ferris wheel? That was a little unclear, but yes, we saw that. And also, even in Venice, when we saw the stuff underwater. Yes. It's like, there's clearly something down there. Yeah. So they they tried to play fair with that, uh, and I appreciated that. Uh, I will say that when we were seeing all the Venice scenes, it's like, I've been there. It was kind of cool. There was an aspect of that, but there was also an aspect of, it's time to check out the hotel. Let's walk over to the bus. Really? There's not a canal between you and the part of Venice that has roads because Venice is a pedestrian-only city? That hadn't even factored into my thought because they they came up on the boat side of it. And then apparently on the other side of this sinking hotel, there's a a road, (laughs) which again, Venice does not have. Just saying. Yeah. So there was a little bit of a, I realize you have limited time. You had to stretch plausibility and not take another boat to get to the road. I'll give you that Even having been to Venice, I didn't pick up on that though. I enjoyed Venice. I thought they did well with the footage they did there. I mean, Venice did not come out in one piece in the movie and i really thought it was hilarious that the kids were so focused on mysterio in front of them that they didn't notice the web slinger saving them from the tower that nearly fell on them yeah at one point they were going to do a damage control tv show as a sitcom still think they should but if they had been doing that throughout basically damage control is the one that cleans up after Mm. all of this stuff and if you basically 
even if you just dealt with the home office and they're having to, oh, he did this, did this, did that kind of a deal. Yeah. You know, at the beginning of every season or, or whatever, you just see them watching the f- news footage. Oh my God, we're going to, he did, no, no, not the tower, you know. Yes. Yeah. It just, it, uh, there's so much destruction behind them on all of these things. Well, Peter gets down to the ground afterwards and he's looking around. He makes sure the necklace is safe. But I want him to look towards the kids that, who are still so excited about Mysterio and go, what am I, chopped liver? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, overall, I really loved the sense of humor. For me, they nailed it. Mm-hmm. They did great on the effects. They did really good on the action. The webs were amazing. There were times when I'm like, okay, I think I got what he's doing with these webs. And then, like, at the Tower of London. He spun some webs, and I'm like, I'm not quite sure. And then he does some acrobatics. He uses the webs. I'm like, oh. There was a point where he was clearly setting some stuff up for later use. Yeah. I also liked when uh, he was fiddling with the tech or whatever and basically used the tower bridge thing as a shield and another thing as a a mace, similar to what Cap was doing in, in Endgame. Yeah. And what I liked about the webs is in some of the films, they seem to be elastic. Very mm-hmm. stretchy, yeah, and whatnot. Here they they manage to to get a little bit of bounce to it, but not so much so that it's like, how does it hold his weight? Yes, yeah. So I thought that was good. Uh, I liked the bit when he was putting on the the web shooters early on in Venice, minus the the costume and what like whatnot. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he doesn't want to be Spider Man, but he's not an idiot. Well, I like when he uh, tells Mysterio, "I'm strong and sticky." And he's trying to describe himself without saying, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. There were some aspects there where it's like, and I get that whole secret identity aspect. Yeah. And I, I think there's so much material there to be had um, for a, a, a good story, either a movie, book, comic, you know, TV format. Because the, the secret identity thing is not as absurd or ridiculous as a lot of people make it out to be. No. And again, Peter was realizing my my group of friends knew I was here when Spider-Man was here and Spider-Man's from our home neighborhood. If he shows up here, yeah. they're going to put two and two together. Well, there's a combination of that, but also his realizing when his vacation gets hijacked by, effectively by S.H.I.E.L.D., we'll mm-hmm. say, because it's Nick Fury, his realizing that his being Spider-Man is putting his friends in danger. Yeah. In a general sense, in terms of driving them towards danger. And then in a very specific sense, when uh, Ned and Betty accidentally follow him to where he is. And poor Ned is looking around like, we shouldn't be here. I know yeah, he knows this is here. a bad plan, but he's got to go with Betty because otherwise she'll be doomed. Yes. Yeah. And he he played that quandary really well of, you know, he waggled his eyebrows at me about the opera. I know we'll be safe at the opera. I don't want to go to the opera, but I know to go to the opera. The funny thing is, it would have been interesting if Nick Fury had provided a a kind of stand-in for Peter. Yes. With, quote-unquote, hologram technology. That would have been hilarious. And you realize later it's a Skrull. Yes. Who's shape-shifting, pretending to be using tech when you've got a tech guy using, you know... Well, it would have been... They could have played that for humor in so many ways in terms of... They could have basically picked their most suave, good with the ladies person to sit in with him basically on a date with MJ. So then the next day she's saying, well, like we talked about last night. Mm-hmm. I-, I think it was good not to do that, but I think they could have 
there was something to be done there. Yeah. Because I think the stand-in who impersonates and does a better job of your life than you kind of has been overdone. That's true. So, uh, overall, fun film. I think it progressed the uh, overall Marvel Universe quite a bit. Uh, it felt like a, much like the previous one, an extension of the Iron Man franchise. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think this is one of the more successful kind of toss of the batons from one character to another. I'd also say from one generation to another. Yes. I'm curious where they go with the next one and what kind of a role other Iron Man characters are going to play. I want to see how other characters in this universe react to Peter's got the Edith glasses and Peter, Peter's been entrusted with the ability to pass them on, but now he's going to have second and third thoughts about doing it. I could see where they could go down the path of early in the next film, it's able to be, hey, that's fake footage. I can prove it. I am the next Tony Stark. Yeah. He takes over Stark Industries. He does all of that. Well, and Edith ought to have the proof that he didn't say that yes. about the, the drones. The, the real footage. Yeah. And I'd but, like to see some Pepper Potts come in. Yes. And basically say he is the heir to Tony Stark. Yeah. Spiritual, etc. Having um, Pepper and uh, the daughter. Yes. Well, and I'd like to see him do for the daughter what Tony did for him. Yes. Doing Peter as a little bit of a mentor kind of a figure, starting to, to figure out himself. Yeah. Then the question is, what do you do for the villain? And then how do you end it on a, a good note? Yeah. I think having Happy basically get Pepper and Aunt May together in a little bit of a support group between them. Mm -hmm. You know, they both came out of the blip with issues to deal with and as they're with the kid they're both looking at the kid realizing you know we got peter and kind of realizing they really can all help each other yeah yeah a little worried about the next film again because of the note they ended on seems like such a game changer to reveal the identity yes and to start it off on almost a negative note well and to have um the newspaper editor, J. J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, to have him very anti Spider Man and anti Peter Parker. Because I remember him being the guy who gave Peter Parker his break. He was very much pro Peter Parker. In the comics, they played that as kind of feeling sorry for the kid after the, the uncle's death, but very much against Spider Man, who's so, who immediately in the comics cashed in on the powers. And showed that lack of responsibility. Yeah. And I think if you go with the next film being what is a hero, what is not, and you see Spider-Man not being villainized, but kind of, and you really see Peter Parker stepping up to the plate, doing the right thing, owning up to things, and yeah, you know stuff like that. It's just a question then of, of where do you leave things at the end? Well, and that's all an interesting take for the next film, given this one seemed to be was a leader. Mm -hmm. So going from was a leader to was a hero works for me. It then comes down to what villain, what kind of a villain do you put him up against? What's that message? Something corporate. I was almost going to go with something that is just anger and hate. I was thinking corporate because kind of our current culture, it's so easy to assume the corporations are evil. Yeah, I would just worry about going, if you go corporate, it starts to, to be very easy to go with a Doc Ock or a Green Goblin, both of which have been done. True, true. 
And they were the ones that were lingering in my mind because I know so little of the universe. Well, and on the trivia thing of IMDb, there was mention that Tom Holland had wanted Jason Momoa as Craven the Hunter. And man, he could nail that role. And imagine if Craven the Hunter got brought in to bring down Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So you could do the whole The Hunted storyline. Yeah. But again, it runs the risk of being dark. And I don't know that's the direction you should go with with this take on Spider-Man. But I think Spider-Man is the kind of character, especially as we're seeing him here, who could prove to a hunter that he should not be hunted. Yes. And I think that that would be quite the story. Yeah, it's not so much a redemption arc, but a a similar-ish kind of an arc where the brightness wins out. Well, and for me, it's a learning to see the truth and the facts amid the chaos and the clutter of what's being spewed out. Well, if the whole thing goes down to power and responsibility, and the whole thing is Peter is taking responsibility for what he has done, mistakes and all. Yeah. And not running, not hiding, not fighting this. And while being slandered by the media, he's still helping. Yeah. You know, you could get people to say, you know... You got to judge him by all of his actions. Yeah. You know, not the illusionist who's claiming he lied. Very true. So there's a lot they could do with that. I, I hope they've, I'm, I'm sure they've got a good game plan. They've done two very good movies on this. And um, so far, this is one of my favorite, probably my favorite take on Spider-Man in the movies. Yeah, I love the way they've captured him and, like I said, the sense of humor. For me, that makes it work. I like the Sam Raimi, Tommy McGuire ones, but there was a little hokiness to it at times. And for the second set, I've not watched the second of the two, uh, which is on the list to do at some point. We'll probably watch the first of those two before. For me, this one has kind of those laughs that kind of startle you with, oh, wow, that was funnier than I expected. Mm -hmm. And the laughs that play well within the film. Yeah. Not the laughs that make you want to kind of cover your eyes in embarrassment or things like that. It's actually funny. Yeah. So I like the sense of humor they found. And for me, it fits both Spider-Man, but also the age. Yeah. He's 16 and he's trying to make his way through and figure out how he wants to take on all these responsibilities. And he's someone who, to everyone's surprise, at 16, wants to shoulder these responsibilities he's just trying to figure out how well and i think that's the thing for the next film is it's got to be an aspect of a coming of age yeah where he goes from being uh, peter parker the kid to spider-man the hero well and for me ned is a must gotta have ned you've gotta have mj i think you've gotta have happy yeah and obviously you know uh, uh ant-man and stuff it's got to be something that he's still a little uncertain and stuff at the end but he's gotten past the I can't do anything right stage to being who he is, becoming and owning that. Yes. So I, I'm hopeful they'll, they'll do a really good job on the next. Again, they've done a great job so far. I like this being a very integrated part of the Marvel Universe, uh, cinematic right. universe. Yeah. I hope that agreement they've got between Sony and Marvel Studios continues. I think it's worked well for them. Yeah. Anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.